It's that time of week, the time you've been waiting for. It's time for Goat Gab, a weekly podcast about all things in the dairy goat industry. Sit back and enjoy an hour or so with your hosts, Laura Warren Hughes and Cameron Jedlowski, as we talk about ideas and topics that matter to the dairy goat world. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another exciting rendition of Goat Gab. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Cameron Jedlowski. I'm your other co-host, Laura Warren Hughes. We're so happy to be here with you, and and thank you guys for tuning in to us again for another week. So, um, oh, yeah. it, it feels like it's been forever. I know because we recorded with the Thompsons like three weeks ago now, and now we're getting back into the swing of things. And and I'm like, okay, oh yeah, Goat Gab, yeah, 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 yeah. So. I'm excited to be back, and I'm excited to um, be a little bit off the cuff this week. You know, not really a formal topic for those people that are listening. No sponsor this week as well. Not because we're going to say anything crazy. Um, just really didn't have a, a lot of time to put this together here. But um, nonetheless, before we dive kind of into our, our, our main topic or smattering of main topics, Laura, what's happening on your farm? So I, do you hear trumpets in the background? Not really, but um, we are done with our 2022 kidding season. So um, we freshened more does this year when the, than we ever have. And, and for those listeners that we have that have great big herds, I know you're going to say that was nothing, but we freshened 17 does here and um, had 11 buck kids and 18 doe kids. So that was good. Uh, we lost one little preemie buck. The thing that I'm happiest about is all of our moms came through just fine. And and I think all of us that have been through a few kidding seasons know that as time goes on, probably the thing that you dread the most is a bad delivery and losing those moms, or at least for me, I don't know. Do you feel that way, Cameron? Yeah. Yeah. I was having a conversation actually with one of my cattle buddies uh, the other day, and he was telling me, and we're kind of talking because Catherine graduated this week, um, and she, we were kind of talking about the vets and everything else. It's like, no one calls a vet to say hi, or no one calls a vet because they just, they might, they just want to talk. They, there's normally a problem. And, and you, as a goat breeder or a cattle person or any type of livestock enthusiast that's been around this enough is not proud to have the vet on because they feel so helpless for lack of a better terms. So um, I'm thankful, Laura, that you didn't have any um, vet calls this year because uh, those could be, um, you know, very, very, very costly, uh, both an emotional damage and a financial damage as well. Well, right. And, you know, of course, you know, that that cost, that financial cost is just something that you're going to bite the bullet and do, and you know, you're going to, you're going to do what it takes, but yes, it's very nice to escape that. And, and more importantly, you know, to see happy moms and healthy babies. And, and that's, you know, to me, that's kind of what it's all about. So that was a good thing. I, we were recording this on mother's day. So um, a mother's day gift that I got, all the girls helped me work goats today and we got vaccinations done and we got, all of the babies except the very last one disbudded and tattooed and, and first vaccinations done. And it just, it just feels good. I always rejoice when I get to put away that disbudding iron for the final time of the year. Cause you know, of course that's to me, that's like the worst job of it. So that was, that was fun. So um, we went to our first show last weekend. So a shout out to all the crew down in little rock, 
Arkansas. You guys put on a great show and it was a lot of fun. So uh, fun to meet new people, put faces to names and, and see some old friends too. So had a good time. Awesome. That's about it. What's what's on your farm, Cameron? Besides oh, a graduation, that was yes, cool. Yeah. Yes. Um, Catherine, my, my fiance, Dr. KVDG, as we call her, because officially a doctor now. Um, so she graduated from Iowa State Vet School um, Friday now. Um, so she will start her job on the 16th. Um, so we are very excited about that. Um, and everything is kind of coming into place as well there on kind of the home front-ish. Um, you know, we are going to be breaking ground, as I will say, or, or moving mud is probably a better way to put it, um, f- uh, within the next two weeks on our barn site. So we're very excited to get that up and running and the dirt work process started for that. Um, so we can get our, our goats up there. Uh, but, uh, it is coming a lot faster than I, I think there on the home front side. Um, oh, go ahead, Laura. No, I was just going to say, that's exciting. I mean, I I hope someday I get the experience of planning out a barn from the ground up. I think that would just be amazing. A lot of fun. Yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. Um, just a lot of space and a lot of decisions. And I think the biggest thing that I, you know, I had thought about it and I had dreamed about it um, since I was a kid and then kind of put it on the back burner and, then I, and I've still kind of been on the back burner for me. Um you know, and kind of had this, this grandiose plan of kind of what I wanted. And, and, you know, you start to look at the, the, and I hate to be a Debbie Downey here, the nuts and the bolts and the, and the, um, savings account, the checking account, as I always call it there, if you've seen the Kevin Hart sketch or not there, but, um, you know, you start to get it down you're like, okay, maybe my grandiose dream isn't what I think it, what I think I can do. But, um, you know, there are, there's a lot of things to consider. Um, and a lot of things that I, hadn't even thought of or we hadn't even discussed yet are starting to come up so uh, we're excited um just you know you might sense a little apprehension in my voice just a a lot of things going on right now is kind of the best way to put it yeah sometimes you know it's (laughs) the goats that's one steady thing they always you know they always need things done with them and when you're not around to do it, it's, it's sometimes, it's sometimes easy to feel a little disconnected from it. And you kind of forget about the joyous part of it. You know, the, the worry about getting everything done and, and all that. I, I know that I feel that way sometimes. Oh yeah. I, you know, Laura, I think you hit the nail on the head there about how I'm feeling there. I feel, uh, and I know we talked pre podcast here a little bit, but like a little disconnected from it all. Um, just because I don't have them, I don't see them. I don't come home to them. And, and, I'm very, very, very excited to get this up and built and running there and, and to start, you know, milking again as, as bad or cliche as that sounds, but there's just something, I think we've, we've said it time and time again, there's something just so calming or soothing about the routine of milking. Right. Yeah. Whether you're doing yeah. it by hand or machine, I've decided it's the <laughs> being with, well, I mean, you know, yeah. Oh, you yeah, know yeah. even with machine, the sound of it is kind of hypnotizing and, and, you know, the goats are happy to be in there and, um, gosh, even Alpines with all of their attitude, <laughs> it's still, it's still fun to open, you know, open the gate and have them come out and happily hop up on the stands and, and yeah, you know, it's, it is, you know, it is soothing. Yeah. We're going to go off the rails here, but I'm, I'm going to bring this up here. I just, the one thing I find soothing or peaceful or hypnotizing about it all is just looking at them and thinking, okay, this is the hard work that my family or Catherine's family or XYZ's family put together 
and culminated, I can say, okay, these are, are mine or my family's or um, my fiance's and say, this is the consistency we've created. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, a, it's, it's hypnotizing. Like Laura said there. Yeah, it is. And it's, it is when you have stressful things going on, it's wonderful to just really relax with that. So I'm, I'm excited for you to get your goats back on your own property so that you can get back to that. Oh yeah. Um, on, on the home front here on our farm, um, Alpine kidding season is done. Our last one kitted, uh, yesterday, uh, single buck. So we came in like we went out or we came out, uh, went out like we came in, um, bucks, bucks, bucks and Alpines. Um, we have one, um, straggler, let's call her that straggler, um, in June that will freshen a couple weeks before the national show. So, uh, knock on wood for her um, that she will look good and she will she will go to the national show. So we do not have to have a home milker at home um, because that I, I don't know about you, Laura, but when you travel and you don't have a milker at your house, um, it's it can be kind of stressful. Oh, most definitely. And I was even thinking of that tonight. You know, how can I get things down to the point that I'm not leaving any milkers at home? It's so much easier to find somebody to chore when it's just you know hay and feed and that's about it. So. Yeah, my dad trained his new milker this week, um, so he was he was very excited, and then had the first experience actually on Friday with the next experience being next week. So um, he's got his new chore boy. He's very happy about that. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, Cameron, but- not not to uh, make you nervous or anything. So this is Sunday. There are forty six days until the national show. Well, it, it's funny you said that, Laura, because I was just thinking about this, actually, because my dad called me and said, hey, will you reach out to da 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 for to see if they want to come to the national show with us? Because we are, um, I guess I, I guess I can publicly announce it. We're looking to like hire like an intern, um, kind of, for the national show for us, um, just because we are have a lot of goats normally, and it's myself and my dad this year, because Catherine can't get the time off of work there. Uh, and we're going to be showing every single day as well. So um, I've reached out to, to one possible candidate there um, who we've seen and experienced in the past. So um, we are we are like looking for like a – we'll call it an internship, but but you'll get your food and travel taken care of and everything. You're not paying your own way. Let's just say that. Um, and and we'll make it worth your while. And the experience of showing some really amazing goats. Oh, my God. L- Laura, the experience. Don't even get me started on the experience. I mean the yelling – the crying, the stress. <laughs> no, no. You're traveling with two guys. The drama level is way lower than if you were going with a bunch of girls. Come on. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, so we're we're I reached out to him, and, and we're making kind of the the cherry on top. There, the planning there for Harrisburg is really starting to heat up. Um, but nonetheless, we still got some cuts to go through. Uh, especially in our kids, actually, we're cutting. This is probably the hardest we've ever cut on kids um, this this year. So I, my dad's just says, okay, I kind of, you know, and maybe I'll ask Laura this question here: is, Do you think, or do you feel like you kind of know where your kids are going to be as yearlings, just based on genetics and lines and how they walk and talk the first three months of their life? Yes, I agree. Well, Okay. Okay. So I wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy there. <laughs> where to me, where, where the hard part comes in there 
honestly, it starts with some animals that maybe you shouldn't have kept to begin with, or maybe some breedings that you were kind of playing around with thinking, oh, I wonder how this will work. AIs are the worst about it. And then the kids come up and you're like, oh, that is not what I expected with this breeding. And you kind of know in your gut that it's probably not going to turn out the way you wanted it to. But it's whether or not you have the um, intestinal fortitude to pull the trigger and <laughs> go ahead and move those animals on to another herd where they can be loved and, and you know, not in your herd. That's what I think. I don't know. But yeah. my thought is that really, yeah, you, you kind of know. You kind of know. Yeah, I I have done like some research actually, and I've actually correlated it back. So if you were born basically after March fifteenth or later, and you have not been a dry yearling as a yearling there, the likelihood of you staying on our farm is significantly lower than if you were born before March fifteenth. Seriously, now that is okay. I'm gonna have to go back and look at that. That's interesting. Yep, that's I, I just I've, I've and then I've looked at. Uh, this is going to sound super nerdy here, but I am a nerd. I'm a goat nerd. I, I can. Uh, this is kind of making me smile just thinking about it here. But as like when I've looked at the goats we've cut and then we've kept daughters out of, there's very seldom does in in our herd that we haven't retained the dam. If that makes sense. Interesting. So you're like, oh, I'll sell the dam because I have a daughter out of her. Well, the likelihood of that goat staying in the next is significantly lower than if you've retained the mom as well there. So I think we only have one or two off the top of my head in our milking herd of about 18. So that's, hmm, I like that because one of the rules that we kind of made up when I first, you know, when we first got goats, when I first started was, um, that you, if we sell the dam, like we're calling the dam, then we sell the daughter. We don't keep them. Well, I've heard the opposite. So a lot of people will use the excuse. I'll call it a crutch as well here. Um, that, oh, if, if, if we can sell the mom, we can sell the mom because we're, or we can sell the mom because we're keeping a kid or something like that. But the real, but my question becomes is what's the likelihood of that breeding working compared to other stuff that might be working in your farm? I, I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell, but. But I will tell you that statistically on our farm, it's been less and less. Well, and I guess that's my other thought too. You know, do you want those genetics popping up again later? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, huh. it's just my, go home. yeah, I know. And I've been going through and kind of sorting through the numbers with Catherine's herd as well. And she's got a predominant line that runs through her herd. And we, we didn't make cuts, but we had deep discussions about the goats. And by deep discussions, I mean, I said, we're not making cuts, but I want to know what you like, what you don't like. Um, do you have any daughters in the herd? And if so, do you like the daughters? And then if you were to keep this goat next year, what would you breed her to? Right. And, 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 and go ahead. I think we were going to say the same thing. If you don't really have a plan in your back, the back of your head, is this a good animal to keep? Is that what you were going to say? Yeah. Well, that, and it kind of helps you organize your thoughts a little bit as well on the goat. And then for me, because I haven't worked, I mean, I've worked enough with Catherine's goats, but I don't, I'm not privy to a lot of the, the day to day or the emotional attachments or, or anything else there because 
you know, to me, and this is going to sound really harsh, but sometimes I look at goats as numbers and not really have an emotional side, but it helps you as a person that's kind of an outside understand why someone might like a goat or what things they might see in an animal as well that, that can help them in their breeding program. Sure. Yeah. And having somebody who is a total, um, who can take that emotional element out of it, that could be a real gift too, you know? Uh, sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> well, okay. It can be really hard too, especially yeah. if you're the one who has the emotional attachment and somebody <laughs> else is looking at you and saying, no, no, um, I have that at home. So I'm just going to leave it there. Sir. Well, Laura, I'll, I'll tell you that I do not have the emotion. I will, I will cry a little bit and I'll, I will, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll cry a little bit. Like when I'm loading them up and I'm taking them there and I, I see them in the trailer and they're just, well, they're getting ready to go off. But if I know they're going to a good home, I, I feel so much better. Yes. Yes. That, that makes all the difference. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely there. So, uh, Laura, anything else on the farm? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't got think off so. The rails, that's okay. The reason, why, the reason why I'm laughing is, um, I was talking with somebody at, at this show last weekend and, um, they said something about, you know, gosh, this just feels so good sitting around just talking goats. And I said, exactly. That's why we do goat gab because really we're just sitting around talking goats. So, um, these off the rails or, um, you know, <laughs> off the cuff or however you want to put it discussions, this truly is the heart of goat gab. Oh yeah, totally. Totally there. Um, but moving some of the more of the formal stuff here, uh, kind of some ad good news coming out or trickling out, I will say, is that uh, I know one of the committees we were talking about it here is our mid-year committee reports are are set to come out here. Believe it or not, we're halfway through the ad good calendar year. So that's a big thing there. Isn't that crazy? It seems like it can't be here yet because it seems like it was so late when committees got put together because the convention was so late. Yeah. Yes. Um, wow. Yes. Yeah. Also, Those are always fun on, to read. Oh yeah. Um, also on Ag News as well, and you just made me think about it. And I'm going off the cuff here. Um, convention dates got moved as well. There. Yeah, moved up, and not quite a week, but kind of a week, and and the schedules all changed. And I think it's I think it's going to be awesome. Oh uh, yeah, I I have a different thought on that there, um, and I understand why they're doing it to make it more youth centered. However, um, it makes time a little harder, especially if you want to come in just for the spotlight sale. It being on a Friday now, not and not a Saturday. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. That's yeah, that's true. That's true. Excellent. Um, I guess I'm I'm thinking more of the fact that it. it it's kind of sad when you see these youth that have had a long week and, and a great time together. And the youth activities are amazing for, for these kids, but then there's nobody there to kind of celebrate what the youth have done and, and to be part of the um, ADGA youth representative, you know, when they pick the youth rep and all of that, it will just be nice to see a little more um, enthusiastic crowd who are going to be there for the, for the convention, I think. So I understand, but both ways there different difference of opinions, but it doesn't mean that we don't hate each other or crucify each other on Facebook. So, so Cameron on the spotlight yeah. sale thing, I just have a question for you. Yeah. One thing that we saw last year in the spotlight sale was 
lots and lots and lots of pre-sale bidding. I mean, some of those animals stepped onto the stage with really high amounts of bids behind them before they even came out underneath the spotlight. Do you feel like that that um, will continue regardless of the fact that it's on a Friday instead of a Saturday? Do you think that's yeah. just maybe the new the new way the spotlight sale is going to look? Oh yeah, totally. I you know I would love to go to a completely virtual sale. You know I I think well maybe not all aspects of it, but I think that's only going to continue to drive more attraction, um, and it makes it a little bit easier for for people to not bid anonymously, but uh, it gives them more access when you think about it as well here. At the end of the day, an auction is an auction. You're trying to get the most amount of money out of the the, um, the buyers as possible there. And if you can do it online and in person as well, go for it. I think this is only going to drive more and more as we see more of the, um, I'll call it my generation, come into the goat world um, because we, think about it, we love, I, I just, I'll use this as an example here. I just went and got, went through three wedding registries all online. I didn't have to go to a physical store and look at them or get take a scanner and go through a Target or something there. I can look and hop on online, buy their wedding registry gifts, and then be done with it as well there. So my generation loves to shop online, um, not just for goats, but for wedding registry gifts as well, which I think only drives home the point that uh, every herd needs to have a website. Right. I, I would agree with that too. I would agree. Huh. Yeah. Well, that was fun. I mean, spotlight sales are always fun. I would hate to see the in-person part of it leave just because I think if you're at the convention sitting there in the spotlight sale where they're, you know, they've got champagne or mimosas or whatever they're serving. It just adds a lot of fun flavor to a, an already fun week. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree on that. So, but I think it'll be nice if you're driving home the next day after the spotlight sale, um, because you can get home at a, at a you know, I'm trying to, I'm thinking about for us there. I mean, if we would hypothetically do something in a spotlight sale, you know, we could take goats the next day and transport them back or, or whatever there. So. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So yeah, it's, that's kind of the, I guess two things kind of out of the blue there that really popped on ad good news. I had a third one, but I, I forgot since then. Well, I have a third one that I'd just like to bring up. Yeah. Uh, surely, to goodness, we're going to be seeing the national show rules and stuff come out like sooner rather than later, right? Because we are, as I said, 46 days away. I mean, it's, that's darn close. Uh, yes, but I will challenge you on this. I'll say, how many times do you see your club show rules 46 days away? Yeah, no, not very often. <laughs> No, 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 no. And I'm not, I sure I'm not bringing that up as a complaint. I just think everybody's really eager to see the national show rules and see what, you know, uh, what things they can and can't bring and start packing stuff and, you know, setting things aside, making plans and so forth. So um, not complaining, just eager and excited. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Totally on that one. So. So do we jump into our non-topic? <laughs> yeah, non-topic topic list here. How about that? Yeah, our non-topic topic list. All right. So I want to bring up the first one because this was like first and foremost in my mind. And Cameron, I know that I even like, I don't remember if I called or messaged you, but I said, I totally want to talk about this on our next podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to talk about. Okay. We've brought this up before, but 
I want to tell a story along with this and I want to talk about it. I want to talk about champion challenge again. Okay. Go ahead. So I saw something at this show last weekend that I've never experienced before. And maybe it's just being in a different area or, you know, different regions of the country are different, but there was an exhibitor who is actually threatening and verbally abusive to another exhibitor at this show about not pulling a kid, a kid that they had that won a champion leg. And this person was also being um, hateful to other people who had animals that uh, finished their championship. And why aren't you going to pull this? And I just, I just had to step back and say, I can't believe that these are grown adults who are acting this way over, over a champion leg and a rosette especially in a junior doe that just blows my mind. Have you seen this before at a show? I haven't seen any verbal. I've seen questions asked and I may have asked the questions before as well, but I'd also, I've also changed my tune since then. I'll be the first one to, to admit that I've kind of done a 180 on this year. The biggest thing is, and Laura, you say it best is we all need to be kind. We all need to be kind. And number two, and most importantly, just as much as that, we need to be respectful. Um, these are not, you know, when an animal wins, we need to congratulate the owner. We need to say, hey, that's awesome. You know, maybe I'll get you in the next ring. Different judge, different opinion. Heck, even a different day can matter as well. We all know, and I'll pick on Nigerian dwarfs here. I mean, the, the wind blows and the Nigerian dwarf might look different. Actually, it probably will look different <laughs> in the kid's side at exactly. least. But, but the biggest thing is that we can't get, as a GOAT community, we cannot, cannot, and we should not tolerate that type of behavior for uh, over a rosette at a GOAT show. Right. I, that, and that's, I guess what just blew my mind is, you know, this, A, this person had kids who are seeing this happening i mean there were there were youth a lot of youth at this show who saw this what i think is is just a gross display of of bad sportsmanship yeah you know a oh, if yeah. you've got a problem with somebody take it privately and discuss it privately with them don't don't be a jerk in front of a bunch of people secondly they have every right to get every judge's opinion on that dough. They paid their money. They made their entry. They have the right to get that opinion. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Some people show because they're trying to garner legs and, and that's fine. I mean, legs, legs are great to get. Okay. That's fine. But not everybody has that as a reason that they're showing. Some people are showing because they genuinely appreciate that judge's opinion and they want that judge to see their animal. And I just don't get why people are so bent out of shape over this. It just blows my mind. Oh, yeah, totally here. Um, yes, I, I it, it, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter and it should never happen. It shouldn't matter if it's a junior doe senior doe a buck it shouldn't matter if it's a club show a state fair or anything this stuff needs to stop right now 
And I think, right. and this is my this is my opinion here, is that if if this continues to happen, um, you know, we could see exhibitors dropping. And people say that, oh, it's the opposite. If you don't pull your legs, exhibitors aren't going to come to the show. No, that's not the case at all. I've been around this industry for my entire life now, and I've seen that exhibitors that that want to go to goat shows and have a good time necessarily might not have the the cream of the crop dairy goats. Uh, and they might not get a rosette or a leg every single time they go out, but they still have a great time and continue to go to these goat shows because they love hanging out with their friends. They love showing their goats. They want to get people's opinions on their animals. So I have a question for you, Cameron. And I and this is something that um, I've talked to my daughters and I've talked to some other people about just, you know, chewing this idea. Does the Champion Challenge program, the whole Champion Challenge thing, cheapen that designation of permanent champion yeah you've uh, yes and i think Laura, we've talked about this off off podcast here but call me a conspiracy theorist or or other things here but if you think about it in itself adga doesn't want the champion challenge program to go away because what it does is it makes shows put on these four six eight ring goat shows so they continue to drive up sanctionings a number of sanctions in which, you know, the club pays a sanctioning fee, pays for ribbons, whatever there. Um, and really, really, really just is a huge cash cow for the association there. So, I, you know, compared to where we were, on, and I'll pick out a random year in 2004, compared to where we are now, where, you know, maybe you had a two-day show that was two rings only versus you go to a, a, a one-day show when there's four rings there. Um, yeah, I mean, that, the permanent championship class has been cheapened um, by just having so many rings and so many opportunities to get these legs now um, because we, as a, as a dairy goat, um, dairy show goat industry, I'll say that, value and put so much pride on championship legs. And I'll, be, I'll tell you what, I am not the person – that is going to fix this because I love finishing a dough. I love it. I love putting that CH on my papers. It, it makes me feel incredibly proud. And if I have a barn full of CHs after the age of three at my at my farm, I am incredibly proud of that. But I'm going to I agree a hundred percent. Yes. It's a yes, it's me a too. big problem. It's a big problem. Well and and so on that, I mean and I've okay this year is just a hard year for everybody. I mean, we, we all know people, if it's not ourselves that have animals that have finished that don't have that CH in front of their name, because we're not able to do that in our system yet. Not using this as an, as an opportunity to complain about NG. It is just the facts, ma'am. That's just what we've got right now. Right. Yep. So, um, you know, certain shows have talked about banning animals that have gotten their, championship but it's not on their papers yet or not allowing you to show um kids or dry does that have a junior leg i think that is a laughable thought you can't it, one yes you can't one you can't control that because you as a show committee don't know because right. there's no central database of that that's what ag is for and two, if you put those rules in, then you automatically become a restrictive show because you are restricting some type of entry there. Um, so you get restrictive legs, not unrestricted legs there. So those don't really count towards your permanent championship if you've already won one restrictive leg. Yeah, and it's it's just 
crazy. I just think, I just think it's crazy. I have every bit of faith that NG is going to get this figured out. And so when they can accept those show wins, there's going to be that amazing cascading effect. And won't it feel like Christmas when all of a sudden you get all these letters and you get papers back and, and then you've got CHs in places that you didn't know there were CHs. I mean, that's, I think that's just kind of fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. End of the story. Just, as you said, be respectful, be kind. It really isn't anybody's business whether or not your animal is finished or has a leg. The ADGA rules state very clearly um, the champion challenge class is optional. There may be one class per breed division. Um, champ- permanent champions may be shown in the regular class or the challenge class, whichever the owner chooses. So, you know, it's totally up to the owner and that is per the ADGA guidebook. So enough said on that. I just, yeah. that just blew my mind. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are we, are we chewed on this enough or as I'll, I'll yes, say, we've chewed on it enough. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Though. Let's, let's move on and talk about kind of uh, potpourri topic. Number two here, marketing of goats and Laura, I have seen this on the Facebook world as well there. Yes. No, I have too. And, yeah. you know, people who are very worried that because they don't have the accolades that their animals have won, um, because they're not able to be processed in NG yet, that that really cheapens their animals. What do you think about that? I disagree with that wholeheartedly as well there. Your reputation as a breeder, you have proof of these as well here. You can take pictures of goat shows and show them rosettes and show them ROAs if they have problems with that and don't trust your word there. You have milk records that can show and back up this data. You pull out your DHIR sheet there or DHIA sheet there from your um, from Langston or from your co-op that you're involved in there. You can pull these out and show buyers these things that say, hey, just because my animal has met all of the qualifications for a star B animal, even though Adga doesn't say it there, you've got the proof in the pudding there. Um, you need to be able to provide that. Um, and it should not decrease the value of your animal. I will tell you that as someone that uh, is infatuated with goat marketing, I had goats last year that finished. Um, and even though they don't have their CH on their name, I am still charging my my fee or my um, basically my my minimum floor, I'll just come out and say it here, I charge $600 as of right now for any doe that is a permanent champion or, or higher. So if they're the lowest form of permanent champion, maybe they're a two-year-old and they finish their championship there, I will run you $600. doesn't matter if that CH is on their form or um, if you or if, if it's not or if it is. The biggest thing is that that animal has earned that right already, so you have the right to actually go and charge that much. So. With that being said, if a buyer doesn't like that, they can always go down the road and go somewhere else. To me, Cameron, a lot of it depends on that relationship that that buyer and seller have with each other. You know, whether or not it's on a paper, I mean, if you don't trust that if you don't trust the person you're buying those animals from, um that is a really poor way to start off a relationship, I think. Well, I mean, why are you buying animals from someone to begin with that you don't trust? That's my that's my first question. And I remember getting into a Facebook argument, not a Facebook argument, a Facebook heated discussion about this here. And to me, it really all comes down to is 
Do you as a buyer trust that seller that, that information is right? It's the same way when you buy animals that aren't DNA. And how do we go, go get along all of these years um, without having animals DNA? Do we just not trust people? Right. You know, it's just, it, you know, we have to look to the past to understand that, you know, back, back in the olden days there when, when, when Cameron really wasn't even thinking about goats or podcasts or nobody knew what a podcast was, um, you know, people bought goats on a handshake deal. They did. And I was talking with someone the other day and they said, so you've been in goats a while. What did you do? What did you do before you had DNA testing and you had kids that you didn't know who their dad was? And I'm like, those are the ones that you sold as um, recorded grades. You know who their mom is. You have no idea who their dad is. So that's how they get sold. And they may be purebred, but we didn't really have a good way of finding out who the dad was. So there you go. You know, that's in breeders of integrity made that decision that whoops, I had a bad oops here. And you know, that's the way it went. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I think if, if the biggest thing in the market is if you could start doing DNA testing on goats and, or you know, a buyer DNA test your goat. And for some reason or another, um, the DNA test comes with an exclusion factor. Uh, the biggest thing that you can do is just own it. Like that's the biggest thing is own the mistake. And you can say, Hey, you know, I, uh, you know, maybe I, maybe the buck got out randomly, you know, Laura doesn't have the most secure fence. <laughs> I don't right. know picking on Laura there, but, but, bucks, on me. Uh, right. but bucks, bucks find a way and they're, and they're fairly creative. So, you know, if you ever have that as a buyer, the biggest thing is that you need to be able to instill trust back into that buyer because you just you just did an oopsie. Um, but you know, I, I think the biggest thing is that uh, when you when you market goats, no matter if it's on the paper or not on the paper, there um, you need to be able to create a sense of trust with that buyer um, from the minute they step foot on your farm because maybe they've only talked to you via Facebook, via email, or via um, uh, the the phone. So. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, so because I had have had fence issues in the past, I do spend a lot of money on DNA testing. <laughs> but, you know, again, if there's any question in my mind, I'm going to do that because I can do it. But you've got to you've got to have that integrity, you know, and, and you've got to understand that sometimes do th things do happen. Don't ghost somebody if, you know, if, if there's an issue, just man up own up to it move forward these are livestock things happen that's yeah it's not the end of the world yes absolutely on that one there when it comes to marketing goats i mean you need to be honest with your buyers um or, yeah with your buyers uh, on on milk records and other things there and if they ask for proof um be able to back that claim up and don't just dismiss them or, or say oh you don't trust me there no, this is a way to form, to create trust is saying, Hey, I, here's the documentation that I can provide that provides all of these records backed up here. I know the association isn't going to back them up, but here's a picture at X fair. Here's a picture at X club show. Here's a picture at X, X, you know, state fair or something like that with all the ribbons there. Or, uh, you can go and look at the, the show results of a, of a website of a club that maybe put it there, or there, maybe the Missouri state fair has their results on there, or, Hey, here's my DHII. DHIA sheet um, that you can provide for that confirmation of star. Right. So, yeah, yeah that's that. I, I think you shouldn't be afraid. I think you shouldn't throw out the baby with the bathwater 
as far as saying you can't, you can't sell animals. Cause I've seen that on Facebook and Cameron, I bet you have seen that too. You know, mm-hmm. complaining about complaining about the current state of things and well, this is costing me money and I can't sell animals because I don't have these things on my papers. Well, no, you can. <laughs> no, and, and I'll tell you what, if they can't sell their animals, the sale barn right now is paying primo dollar for dairy goats. I will tell you that. My fiance took four weathers and two older does to the sale barn and made out like a thousand bucks. Yeah, that's boy. You can't complain about that. <laughs> no, there, no, you really can't there. But good prices, um, Cameron. It makes your six hundred dollar floor price for kids out of a, a finished champion look a little bit on the the um, cheap side. I know. I you're absolutely right there. Um, yeah, I, I I need to increase prices. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Let's jump to another topic. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I was listening to an episode of Beyond the Ring the other day, um, and they were talking about ring stewards. And I know that we had um, our amazing uh, guest, Brenda Leitner, on who talked about putting on a show. But I think ring stewards um, are something that we've mentioned before, but it's always a good thing to touch on how important ring stewards are. Oh yeah, I I can't imagine running an effective show without a good ring story. Yeah, I I would imagine you have probably seen seen the gamut of great ring stewards and not great ring stewards as a judge. Yeah, I'll publicly come out and say the best ring steward I ever had was my fiance. Um. Is that why you proposed, Cameron? Uh, sure. Let's go with that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> not just because she's a really amazing person um, yeah. she's one heck of a great ring steward right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but to me it's important at, to, as a ring steward it's important as a show to have a good ring steward because it keeps the show moving especially as we move into um, these summer days where it's going to get hot I mean it's like 60 degrees right now in Iowa but tomorrow or like Tuesday it's supposed to be like 85 so it's going to get hot and it's going to get hot fast um, so it's important to have those to keep the show moving, especially when you have large number of animals and you have, um, uh, exhibitors with, with potentially, you know, one animal or they might be showing, you know, animals in different rings. And it's important that for those ring stewards to have be privy to that information as well. So no one misses their class. I think that is the biggest downfall to multiple ring shows. And everybody knows that I was talking to somebody last weekend and um, they said, you know, we've got four breeds in our family and it is just miserable trying to keep your eye on all these different rings that are going to see where you need to be next and who you need to have there. And then when you get to the end of that breed and you've got animals in a champion lineup, you're trying to find handlers and animals and it's just crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it can be. It, it really, really can be there. And again, it's a. It's the downside to the multi-ring show there. Um, for me, from a judge's perspective, going back to that ring store here, I think the biggest thing is that they, to me, are the most important person of that day because they keep the show moving. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree. And, and especially if you have somebody who, if they don't know the exhibitors, like I've stepped in at shows before where I've been a brand new person to that show and I've said, sure, I'll ring steward for a while. Even if you don't know the people's names, have a 
happy and clear voice saying, hey, I'm looking for so-and-so. I need a two-year-old milker for the Nubians. I'm looking for this person. Have good ring sheets, but don't be afraid to call out. Because if you don't know who that person is, somebody is going to know who that person is. And they'll be able to say, oh, they're over there showing dogs or whatever. Absolutely. I am always a big proponent of let's get the next class set up outside the ring um, uh, before the next class walks in or gets gets done. So what I like to do as a ring steward, and I've I've ring steward a couple times here, is I like to have them – basically lined up outside the ring, locked and loaded, ready to go for the next class, assuming that the exhibitor is not showing in that other class or right. other ring. So to, to me, that makes sure the show is run punctually, it's run effectively, and we can get through all of the goats in a timely manner. Kind of along that same line, though, Cameron, if you're the exhibitor and you know you have animals in back-to-back classes – Either find somebody to kind of be your stager for you, you know, who Mm -hmm. can take the animal you're walking out with and hand you the next one. For the love of Pete, don't leave your animals in their pen clear across the other side of the barn. So between every class, you have to walk all the way back to your pen to get your animals. That is miserable. That wastes the judge's time. It really is discourteous to your other exhibitors. Get a tie chain, use a holding pin, um, bring a 4 h along to kind of help you. But figure out a way to have your animals staged and ready to go. Yeah, if you have not heard this podcast before, I will speak it into existence, into your brain as a listener. Go invest <laughs> in a good tie chain right now as you're listening, as you're milking. Go find it on Amazon. I don't care where you find it. Farm and fleet, fleet farm, wherever, tractor supply, whatever you got, go find yourself a tie chain. It is important because it, one, it will keep the show moving and two, it will make, it will help you as an exhibitor, um, have less, um, foot problems at the end of the day, because my bunions reek after a good show. Oh gosh. Yes. And (laughs) even if you have Alpines who don't particularly like to stand by each other on a tie chain. No. It still will make it work. Caprine Supply put a plug in for our friends there. They have a great tie chain that I've found has the clips just about the right distance apart to keep um, World War III from breaking out with my goats. So, um, and we've bought them often because that is one of those things that often gets left in a show when you leave. It's like, oh, crumb, I forgot to get my tie chain. So, um, you know, keep that with you, but that is something to keep in mind as we run into show season. Do everything you can as an exhibitor to keep things moving fast too. Show or ring stewards don't like to have to harp and complain and where are you? Are you coming? Oh, I see him. They're all the way over there at the corner of the barn. They don't like to do that either. Mm-mm. Absolutely not there. Ring stewards are important. Yeah, Cameron, no I have I going off the rails a little bit here. I have a question yeah. for you as a yeah. judge. Talk to me about what happens if you don't have all of the animals present for best in show. Oh, that's an excellent question there. Well, um, it's never happened to me as a um, judge before, but it's happened to me as an exhibitor before. And go ahead. We had that happen at the show this weekend. One of the animals was not there. And the judge looked at me and said, 
I have never had this happen before. And this was a judge who's been judging for a long time. And all of us exhibitors were standing around like, what do we do? This animal is missing. And so we ended up having to go ahead and do our best in show class. Um, The judge wrote on the report of awards you know, they marked that not all animals were present and they wrote down the name of the animal that was not present. So um, I'm guessing that animal lost their leg. Correct. Okay. But nobody else lost a leg. Right. Okay. Correct. So don't do that. If, if you, if you (laughs) get into best in show, just make sure you're there. (laughs) Well, or, or, you know, if, if the animal is there, and you have a friend there that can show said animal, that is completely fine too. I think that in this case, nobody knew where that animal was. Right. And it was, it, I think they were new. I think the people were new. So, you know, it, it, it's a lesson learned. You go yeah. forward and don't do that again. But yeah, yeah. I'd never had that happen in all the years that I've shown dairy goats. I'd never have somebody not show up for best in show. Ah, okay. I mean, yeah, I, I've only ever had it once, and it's crazy. Yeah. All right, we've chewed on that one pretty good. Oh, yeah, absolutely there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about social media. Um, and, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, I normally am a big fan of social media. I think it's got uh, a, a whale of good, um, including promoting this podcast and and you know thinking that you know this is our social media is our main way of promoting this podcast. Um, podcasting to some people is a form of social media. So um, it, it's definitely got some goods, but I think in the last, I don't know, Laura, 10, 15 days in the outdoor world, social media has gotten pretty bad. Yeah. Bad enough that honestly, I've kind of disconnected myself from it. Um, yeah. When I was at the show last weekend, wasn't hardly on there at all. And it was, it was really nice. I, I, I'm not going to lie. It was just really nice not to be on social media. Yeah, I I think I'm going to start, and I was kind of the same way as well on a work trip here, and I kind of missed the big blow up on social media on the on the big day um, that some things happened in the goat world. Believe it or not, you know things happened like on the District Three Facebook page. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> but 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 um, you know I I really took some time away from it, and I missed all of that drama or craziness or or call it anything else. And, and I was completely okay with it. And I didn't even go to look back and, and read the comments or anything there. And, and, you know, honestly, Laura, I think I'm going to start living, living social media just for Saturdays um, and Sundays, because that's when people post their goat pictures from goat shows. <laughs> I think that's a positive thing. I did mention to my daughter, it's been nice not to be on Facebook. I think I'm just going to I think I'm just going to disconnect from Facebook for a while. And she's like, mom, you can't. That's how people who need to get in touch with you get a hold of you. And and she's right. I mean, I, I, depending on what's going on, you can't totally get off, but you know, words hurt. I mean, the power of the written word is pretty huge. And it's so easy. I think sometimes to say things on social media that we would never say to somebody's face, you know, when you can read that person's body language and you can look them in the eye 
would you really say those same things to them? Would you make the same comments about them or make the same assumptions about them if they were standing right in front of you? That that's something that I that I really want to think about when I'm typing on Facebook. Oh yeah, totally there. I you know, imagine us having a conversation or imagine your would your grandmother approve of that, you know, that comment or um, you know, maybe it's something that can be said behind closed doors, but not on the World Wide Web, where where anyone can see it. Especially in our very open, um, what's the best way? Other word, open and uh, lightning rod world of goat social media we we live in. You know, there when you get right down to it, Cameron, the dairy goat community is a pretty dang small community. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's not a lot of us and, and it's a very unique community. I mean, I think that's something that is near and dear to my heart. I'm not going to say we're all oddballs, but we're a little bit off the beaten path, I think. (laughs) And and that's a good thing. Oh yeah. I think too. and, And, you know, I'm not, I'm sure not trying to lecture or anything like that, but one thing that I keep trying to remind myself Nobody who is part of AGA leadership or who has made decisions for the American Dairy Good Association, nobody did that hoping that things were going to turn out badly. Uh, yeah, I can, I can, I'm not going to say I can guarantee you that, but, you know, I, as someone that's worked and, and call it the cloak, call it the cloak in the, in the shadows and, you know, who's behind the curtain there, whatever. You know, you can call me and Laura being behind the curtain. I don't really care. But but at the end of the day, you know, the people that I've worked with, they are are genuinely caring, and they and they want to see us out of this this bad time here. Um, and it, and it doesn't matter if it you're if it was an office staff member or if it was one of the directors or or, or anyone else under the sun is is at the end of the day, you know, we did not or, or, or you know some of the people did not make this decision to go forward on, on some of the things that are happening. Um, and, and they are truly doing their best. And, and I've seen a lot of that. And, and I'm thankful that these people are, are trying their hardest. They're staying up late at night. They're, they're working and coding at weird hours. They're, you know, they're doing things that necessarily are outside of their, you know, nine to five job. Exactly. And, you know, the people who were in the position to make the decision to go forward with NG, for example, they didn't make that decision thinking that it was going to be a disaster. I mean, that's, it's, nobody would do that. They don't get, you know, they're volunteers. I mean, the, you know, people are volunteers with this association trying to make the very best decisions that they can. And, and, you know, I just, I guess I just think we all need to give just a little bit of grace, you know, um, it's okay. It's okay to be angry. I'm angry. I don't like, I don't like not having things work the way it's supposed to. Nobody likes that. It is frustrating when, when you send in papers on a dough that's supposed to come back as an American and it comes back as purebred and you know, that's wrong. And you're like, great. Now what do I do with these papers? You know, I I'm happy to have the papers in the end. They're not correct. It things like that. Yeah, that's, that's mad. And, and I also want to make sure that people know the directors, the executive committee, the quote, big breeders, 
they face the same issues that challenge everybody else. I mean, there's that they don't have like a back door or a special way to get answers or, or a special phone number to call so that their calls get answered. We're waiting on the phone two and three hours sometimes too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just today, I tried to add money to an NG account and it didn't work. Like I'm just being honest with everybody. Like I am experiencing and Laura's experiencing and the same thing that the members are. Right. I, you know, I be angry about the issues that, I mean, yeah, you can be upset. You can be angry about it. You can complain about it. That's fine. Be kind about the people who are behind it because nobody, nobody has an ulterior motive to see the failure of the American Dairy Goat Association or to make life hard or not be able to register animals. That's, that's not what's going on. So that's just, that's just kind of my thought. And trust me, Laura and I see your crazy, you know, conspiracy theory ideas out there as well. Yes, we do. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm not going to dig into them. I'm not going to dig into them. But and, and I'm not saying that some of them don't have merit either. I mean, there are definitely some ideas that have been thrown out on Facebook that that do have merit. Um, you know, I will tell you that both Laura and I um, cannot implement most of those. Um, but we can be an advocate for you if, if you if you think something is 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 wrong or if you need help with something or, or, you know, if we can help in any way, shape or form. And we sometimes do get members that reach out to us on registering goats or problems or what do you do this or that there, but we're here to help you there. Right. And, and maybe the only way that we can help is to say, yeah, that's a problem. We know about that. Or, well, have you tried this? Cause this might work or, you know, things like that. And sometimes the things that, that are confusing are just a small little thing that you know if somebody else has done it oh yeah this is what worked and this is how i made this work so you know don't be don't be afraid to ask questions don't be afraid to seek answers but do it with a kind heart that's that's just what i think you know i think there's there's a lot of you know there's a lot of negative in social media especially over the last 10 ish days there um but there's a lot of good that comes from it too. And I, and I, and we see it, you know, we don't just see the, the crazy conspiracy theories. We see the good too. I mean, there's members bouncing ideas off of each other. There's, there's communication. There's, Hey, what do you think about this goat? Which I think is the craziest thing on Facebook, but people will always chime in with their opinions. Oh, you mean like, can you look at her back end and tell me how far bred she is? Those, those <laughs> Facebook posts. <laughs> no, I'm thinking like the ones that that will that will be like, "Hey, I'm trying to keep between X and Y. What do y'all think?" And I'm just oh, like, "Oh, yeah, like, oh, Those that's a can of worms. Yeah. That's a can of worms." <laughs> Amen. That's that's probably not the best way to call your herd. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But but there are some people that do that, and 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 if you do that, that's fine. And and you know that's completely fine there. Um, but what I will always recommend is reach out to somebody you trust. And actually, the other day, it's ironic that this came up. Somebody reached out to me and asked for my opinion on some goats, and I, I gave it to her. So, I mean, yeah, it, reach out to a friend. Yeah, reach out to a friend and have, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, what's next, I think Cameron? Oh, I, I think we're done. My, my last kind of potpourri item on my mind here is, is 2022 planning for shows, and I kind of hinted at you know, I'm I'm kind of lifeless in the goat world right now without my goats and and and, but but I'm still thinking about goat shows and I've got this just 
I don't know, and, and call me scary, and I, I don't mean to be fear-mongering or anything here, but with the rising cost of inputs and how expensive it's going to be, I really, really wonder how this is going to affect our dairy goat shows. You mean like with numbers? Yeah, with numbers, with fuel. I mean, you think about fuel costs, food costs, grain costs going up. I mean, heck, Laura, I don't know how much you pay, but you know, last year it was like 14 bucks a bag for our feed. Now it's like 17 Yes. No, mine's up a, a little more than that. And frankly, I'm looking at changing feeds because um, this other feed that looks to be about as good as what I'm feeding, um, I can get for almost $7 a bag cheaper. Well, that's a big deal. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And I don't have a lot of goats to feed, so I don't know how, you know, oh gosh, our commercial dairy friends, gosh, I'm, I'm feeling for you guys because I can't yeah. imagine. I can't imagine. Yeah. So, Laura, if you had a crystal ball and you were to predict, I guess, would you think, and I think it's an interesting because last year we had a pent-up demand for goat shows. Do you think there'll be that same pent-up demand now for goat shows in 2022? I don't. I think okay. you're going to see smaller shows. I think you're going to see maybe um, more people interested in those multiple ring grueling marathon shows just because that's one way that you can leverage the input that you know if you're going to be there anyway you might as well show a bunch because mm -hmm. you know that that kind of makes it a little cheaper to to be there but i think i think especially small shows fair shows that that are maybe just one ring and don't offer a lot in premiums i bet we're going to see I bet we're going to see some issues trying to get a lot of numbers at those shows. Oh yeah, I, I agree. And I just, I think I'll have to trickle down. And again, we're not meaning this to be gloom and doom, but I think it's, I think it's important to talk about. And I think we look at the Attic national show and I don't know if you've read this or not, Laura, but on the East coast, there's a huge diesel shortage right now. <laughs> um, so it's like, okay. I mean, most of our rigs are, are diesel powered. I mean, eh, you know, 40% of our rigs are probably diesel powered. So, yep. you know, that's a really big thing to consider is like the national show prices, even if there were an increase in, in entries, which we don't know until the rules come out. Um, it's going to cost a lot more to go to nationals than it did last year. It is. And being on the East Coast makes it a lot more travel for a lot of people. So I wonder just throwing this out there, if that discussion of keeping national shows in more of a centrally located area is going to rear its head again, it seems like every so often that comes up again, you know, a model somewhat like the world dairy expo where they have a set place for it every year. Yeah. Yeah, I I had not I had not thought about that, Laura. But that, that could be that could be true. And then you kind of get on a consistent schedule. You know where to stay. You know the places to eat. Um, uh -huh. it, granted, we, we don't we know the good places to eat in Harrisburg. Uh, the Glass Tavern is one of them in Harrisburg. FYI, for those that are going, <laughs> the Glass Tavern. I'll put that on the my list. It's super sketchy, but go. The food's good. Uh <laughs> But, I, I, but that's true. And then, of course, there's the flip side of the people who are like, oh, my gosh, I live in California. If it's never going to be out here close to me or I live in Idaho or Oregon or whatever, if it's never going to be close to me, I'll never get to go to a national show. So, you know, there's always that debate that comes back up again. But um, I don't know. 
I hope we're going to see gas prices go back down to a reasonable level again, but it makes me nervous thinking that this may be a new normal. that's going to be here for a while. Oh yeah, totally on that one there. And, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you from a crop insurance perspective is I don't know when we'll see commodity prices stabilize, which only in turn affects livestock farmers. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, uh, enough gloom and doom on that. I'm going to end us on, on a, on a, um, fun little ending here that is not planned okay laura have you started thinking about your 2023 breeding list yet i have okay i have do you want to know do you want to know kind of a brief overview of what i've decided yeah what are you thinking i've decided that i'm going to go back to something that i feel like gave me quite a bit of success in the past Okay. And that is using one buck on the majority of my herd. Again, I have a small herd. Okay. Um, I've kind of branched out and I'd like to bring things kind of back again to where it was. I have a buck that, that um, he's a three-year-old now and I still don't have a fresh daughter out of him in my own herd. I've sold plenty of daughters out of him, but um I really want to see what this buck's able to do for me. So I think I'm going to do the majority of my breeding with him next year and maybe just a couple of AI attempts. I like AI. It's always kind of fun. And you're good but, at it. Um, well, I, this past year was a good year, but um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of my thought in a nutshell. Have you guys gotten your list all done? Um, well, you know, the, the, the list is like a river. It ebbs and flows and, and, and changes paths. And I think I'm on draft four or five of my Alpine list. And I know my dad changes his ever, ever so weekly. And um, we've got a, you know, we did something. And I think I shared it with you, but I don't know if I shared the listeners. Is Catherine thought that she needed a new buck this year. And I was like, no, you don't need a new buck. And she's like, no, I need a new buck. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. So I made a little sheet. I laid out all the goats, even the kids um, that were are going to be sold or not going to be sold, and I just put and in an Excel spreadsheet. I put the name of the buck at the top, and then down the columns, I put the uh, or excuse me, down the rows, I put the um, the dam, and then I color coded it. Green means you could breed to this buck. Red means you can't. And you know, <laughs> if, if <laughs> and, and as simple as that sounds, is like okay, like you don't have to. Go buy a new buck on paper, logically, if we think about it logically here. Um, and, and that was an effective exercise. And I don't know if it stopped us from spending money, but um, <laughs> uh, it, it's an effective exercise to kind of say, hey, do you need a new buck or not uh, there? But um, we've we've had some conversations about the TOGs, uh, what's going to happen there. We've maybe got some interesting things cooking in the works. I don't really know. Uh, also, we're in a very um, we're in a disagreement on um, when to breed our goats. As as weird as that sounds, like early or late when to breed yeah. them. Yeah, uh -huh. I don't want to breed. I don't want to breed our goats until after our wedding. Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> She's like, no, well, let's do some AIs maybe before our wedding, and da, 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 or you know, some other secret things that we're maybe cooking in the works and. She's like, uh, she's like, well, if we did that, they didn't take or da 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 da. I was like, eh, but I don't want kids in February and and it's cold in Wisconsin and 
all the other things under the sun there. So I, you know, I don't know. That'll be, it'll be interesting to see how you guys get that worked out. Yeah. Um, yeah kind of like my discussion that. with, with my daughters last year that I wanted to kid everybody in about a three week period. And they're like horrified <laughs> with that. thought. But you know, I might get my way next year since it'll just be me. So oh, yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, we'll have to knock, see how that goes. Knock it all out. Knock That's right. Out. Knock it out. Yeah. You know, you get everybody weaned about the same time, get all their tattoos and all that stuff done at the same time. I mean, that makes it sweet. So yeah. And, and if you think about it, I mean, if you kid in that March time period, I mean, they're all going to be kind of on that same playing field for, you know, if you think about keeping it, all the variables the same, you know, right. food, nutrition, you know, and you could really just look at genetics and play there. I mean, I'm just, I'm not trying to agree with you, Laura, but it's something for the girls to consider. Karen, agree with me. They listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny, funny. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, and I, I hope this episode hasn't come off as a, as a negative thing, because, you know, at the end of the day, when I walk out to the barn and um, I have um, 26 little babies that are calling mom, ma to me when they see me. And, you know, I have all these milking does who think I'm the best part of the day when I go out to the barn. Doesn't that just kind of lift your heart and, and remind you of why we have these joyous animals in our lives? Oh yeah, totally. I'm super jealous. Well, yeah. And you'll, you know, you'll get them and then you'll think, Oh, I've missed you. It'll make it that much sweeter when you get them there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Laura, what, anything else? Nope. I think that's it. I hope that as everybody starts heading towards shows that, uh, you have a fantastic trouble-free, uh, ride to your first show the the things that you forget to take with you are things that are easily gotten at your local Walmart or farm store. That's always, that's always a fun thing of your first show, you know, see what you can forget. <laughs> and uh, the kidding season wraps up well for everybody who's moving towards that point too. Oh yes, absolutely. On that one. Don't forget. We do have some archive episodes on prepping for a show and feel free to listen back to those. Um, we're not doing a specific calling out show prep episode this year. It probably, it sounds like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's in the works for the next week, but um seems kind of late if we do it next week. Don't you agree? Yeah. It's getting kind of late. Yeah. <laughs> we we may touch on national show prep again though. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, keep post posting your goats on Facebook. Um, only on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, though, so I can see them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, we enjoy having you guys as listeners. If you have feedback, let us know. We love to hear topic suggestions, what we can do better. Uh, Cameron's microphone sucks. You can always give me that comment. That's totally fine because <laughs> we do get it sometimes. Um, or or give us some feedback. Again, we're always looking to improve and try to make this thing better. We hope you have a great week. Thanks for spending this past hour with us. And thank you for being part of our Goat Gab family. <laughs>